I'd just like to remind the church this morning of who is on our committee because I just recently found out some of us have had sort of may have forgotten a little bit or might not even have really known who all made up our committee. And not in any particular order, but um, start with, I mentioned Miss Teresa Crowell. They've been our church family for about six years now, I believe. And Miss Teresa's got a class for our older ladies. She's teaches their Sunday school class, and she's involved with that group. Brother Frank Morgan, who's been around for many years, who we look up to, and yes, for many years. <laughs> I have too, brother. Brother Frank Morgan, who's been around for many years, who we look up to, and yes, for many years. <laughs> I have too, brother Frank. But brother Frank's sort of tied in with the older gentlemen in our church. Mentioned last night the Lions Den. Some of y'all might know about the Lions Den. Then we got Miss Sonia Walker, who's heavily involved with our youth. The reason I got choked up here is she don't have no children of her own. But she has to home our whole church family's children. Amen. And she knows what our children's up against. And her and LaDawn, and we got some other youth workers here that's just really put their arms around our youth. Thank you, Miss Sonia. Got Miss Pat Wilkins. Um, music. She plays our piano. She hangs out with our middle age group. <laughs> Even though me and her need to move up to the older group. <laughs> then we got a gentleman who showed us some things. And direction has been greatly appreciated. And he's had his hand in on the gentleman that we've got here today. I was in that group on the committee. I don't exactly know where I fit in, but I was with him as well. I've mentioned to you last week, and I will tell you again, <coughs> our committee was 100% in agreement to Brother Cobb while they'll be in here this morning. Tell you a little bit about Brother Kyle. He's called to preach in 1991. And he's seeking God's will to continue his ministry wherever it may be. He sent his resume out, correct me if I'm wrong, to two churches. Is that what you told me, Brother? Two or three. Two or three. Which our church received one of them. He's got his beautiful wife here with him, been married for 19 years, Miss Amy. I hope all of y'all got to meet him. They have three children. Miss Emily, she's 19 years old, 18 years old, freshman at Limestone College in Gaffney, South Carolina. Got two boys, Kyle Jr., 16, he's a junior at his high school, and Alex is 15, a sophomore. They have one chihuahua. <laughs> they have one beagle. They have two cats, which my cat, my wife's a cat lover. And they have 25 chickens, I believe. Is that right? <laughs> when we first met them, they had 27, but I understand they're probably around 25 now. <laughs> and I admire them for having them chickens. The reason being, Miss Amy, correct me if I'm wrong, but your son eats like eight, eight eggs every morning. So she's got to have them chickens. <clears throat> but anyway, he's here this morning to 
because we feel like he's the man that God wants to be here. Um, but more than that, he's here to share God's word with us and help and praise the Lord with us this morning and bring us God's word. So on behalf of the Pastor Search Committee, this morning we're bringing forth Brother Kyle Waddell, Waddell to be considered as our pastor here at Chapter Baptist Church. Brother Kyle, would you come forward, please? <coughs> Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. Turn your Bibles to, as I drop the mic, turn your Bibles to the book of Romans. The book of Romans. For you scholars, that is in the New Testament. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get some things out of the way just right here at the beginning. Uh, some of y'all have asked where we're from uh, and asked you know, a few personal questions. and It wasn't any of your business, but we answered anyway. Uh, I am not a Georgia fan. But last week, now listen, hold on, calm down. Last week, my favorite team was Georgia Tech. Do we have any Georgia Tech fans in the house? Yeah, amen. They put a stomping on Clemson, didn't they? Now, Georgia, I think y'all won yesterday, didn't you? Y'all are playing, what, Winthrop College or something? What was it? Who? New Mexico, okay, okay. Uh, let's see, uh, South Carolina is my team. I, I pull for University of South Carolina in football uh, and University of North Carolina. I grew up going to Keenum Stadium up in, in North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Uh, how many of y'all watched the Alabama game last night? Anybody watch the Alabama game? Was that not just a barn burner? <laughs> did, it, did anybody hoot and holler? Huh? Oh, you need to say so. Okay. Are you always going to interrupt me? <laughs> Do you want to give the invitation now? No, but I imagine some of y'all got, got really excited last night over the Alabama-LSU game. That was, that was a pretty exciting game. Uh, how many of y'all watched the South Carolina game? Yeah, that was pretty sad. I, I didn't get to see much of it. Uh, I saw Amy told me on Facebook, one of her friends at some point in the game said, throw in the visor at the TV. So, I mean, I guess, you know, that was a Steve Spurrier move, throwing the, the visor at the TV. Uh, evidently, that must have been one of the 14 or 15 times we got scored on. But that's, you know, that's okay. I, I, let me ask, were you excited about the games? How many of y'all got excited? Because there were some good games yesterday. And, you know, some of y'all are being, you know, yeah, I'm not going to raise my hand. He's going somewhere. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm going somewhere with it. Let me ask this. Are you that excited about being in God's house this morning? Not just, not just this morning, but every morning. You know, I, on Friday, Friday afternoons, I am the chaplain of the Bluffton High School football team. Uh, which is varsity football team, which is 10-0. and 0. They're in their second round of the playoffs. I'm the chaplain. And about Thursday night, I can't sleep real good because I'm running plays in my head. And I know I'm just the chaplain. I don't call plays. I don't, you know, no, I just stand on the sidelines and give them water. But uh, I get excited. Now, so, so, uh, Friday afternoon, I would get really excited before I give the devotion to the team. And afterwards, I get excited about the game. Now, do you get that excited about coming on Sunday morning? You, you do realize that you don't have to be here. You get to be here. 
right? You don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. Listen, church, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I can be honest with you because you haven't voted for me yet. <laughs> I'm tired of weakening McFaith. faith. I'm tired of people not being excited about what God has done for them. I'm tired of seeing and reading in my Bible what Jesus sacrificed for me and people who call themselves Christians aren't willing to sacrifice the same for Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus on Sunday morning, but not Sunday night, not Wednesday night. I don't need to know anymore. I'm good where I am. I just I don't see that anywhere in my Bible. You know, the closer I get to the Lord, the more I realize that I'm nothing and I need to learn more. Not that I have enough and I, I'm good enough. I've served enough. I've done enough. Nowhere in Scripture do I see that, church. I'm tired of weak and anemic faith. So this morning, loose yourselves, amen? Free yourselves and be just excited about God's Word this morning as you are about that game last night or yesterday afternoon. I will tell you, I hope, I hope there's no sleepers. I do. Because I have been known to wake people up, especially teenagers. I, you know, I've seen teenagers, they'll stay out till 2 o'clock in the morning and parents let them. And drag them into church and sleep and snore during the practice. I, I just don't do that. But now that we've gone over a few of the basics, it's so good to see you this morning. <laughs> this morning as I preach this message, I want you to understand this, is, this message is very special and dear to my heart. God gave me this message so many years ago. And I promise God because of, of the content, and I hope you'll understand here in a few minutes, that every time God opened a door for me to preach in a different church, I would preach this message, this one message. The reason I feel so passionate about this message and I feel that it's so important is it applies to two different groups within every church. The first church, the first, first group is the lost. Well, hold on a second. This is Sunday morning. There's, there's nobody lost in here. Yeah, okay. Y'all have heard the statistic that Billy Graham quoted many years ago when he was still preaching. He said that he believes that 80% of the church is lost. 80%. That, that means that from here over, well, hold on. Let, my wife's in the middle. You know, this one section is, is saved, all the rest of you are lost. Billy Graham says that 80% of the church is lost. Well, that's crazy. Billy Graham doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, how come 80% do, um, 10% do 80% of the work? J just ask him. You know, I, I believe this message is very important to the lost. The second person I believe this is in, important to is that person who has accepted Christ as their personal Savior. They've, they've accepted that free ticket to heaven. And they'll sing every stanza, oh, how I love Jesus, but they do nothing for him. Nothing for him. They'll wear a cross around their neck, or they might be crazy and get extreme and, and you know, get a, a Jesus tattoo or a fish on their neck or something. I, I don't know. But when it comes to actively serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who bled and died, was beaten, battered, spit upon, they do nothing. You can't beg them, borrow them, they, they do nothing. So this is who the message is for, and there's two of those, both those groups are here this morning. Church, we desperately need to understand this morning that God is real. God is real. He's not dead, He's not in a tomb, he, he's, he's alive and well. God this morning is real. And let there be, <clears throat> let, and let this be knowledge, this knowledge motivate us to drop what, I, what we're doing in our comfortable pews and do what God has created us to do and that's to serve Him with every breath that's in us. God created us to serve us this morning. This morning I'm going to prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that my God is real. So if you're lost here this morning 
please pay close attention. And please understand that you need to accept Christ as your personal Savior. The second person that needs to pay attention this morning, if you're here and you've always been too timid to, to just never quite get over the hump to share your faith with somebody this morning, break your pencil out, break your pen out. I'm going to give you some information I think you'll enjoy. I'm going to give you a very easy way you can share your faith and prove to others, your friends. Does anybody in here have anybody, do you know anybody who's lost? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, listen, I'm going to prove to you that God's real. You're going to write this down. You're going to go prove to them that God is real. I've got family members, so I just don't believe God's real. Well, I'm going to help you. So turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them verse 20 for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even listen even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, who? All men. They are without excuse. What this scripture means is when we stand, when, not if, but when we stand before a holy and a righteous God, we're not going to say, I never knew you. I didn't ever see you. How, why didn't you reveal yourself to me? Jesus reveals himself every single day through his creation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. And we praise you and we pray that you'd open our eyes and our ears and our hearts right now during this time. I pray that you'd still every heart, still every mind. Lord, you'd help us to, to be a, a sponge, to absorb your word, to absorb this message. This isn't about me, Lord. This is about you. Let us praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name we do pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. According to this scripture, God reveals himself in two ways. Verse 20 tells us that God reveals himself through his creation everything that he has created. Now verse 19 tells us that God reveals himself through us or in us. Church, this scripture tells us that what, what, we, what we really need to understand and know, that God is alive and real. If we will just do what we tell our children to do, we'll be able to understand where God is. And that's pay attention. How many of y'all have ever told your children, pay close attention? Pay, you know, when they go to, that, go to school and they, they sit under that, you know, they made a D last week and they made an F the next week, and you look at them, you give them that parental advice, go to school and pay close attention. If we'll pay close attention, there's not anybody in here, friend or foe, sinner or saint, who is not going to see the fingerprints of God. Now, before we move any further, I need to, we, we need, to, you know, we need to, to, to clarify one thing and one thing only, and that is who the Creator is. You know, for us to look at how God reveals Himself through creation, we must first admit that He is the Creator. Not a Creator. He is the Creator. You know, Charles Darwin said, the preacher's talking about Charles Darwin in the pulpit. That's okay, listen, I'm going to qualify Charles Darwin said if evolution existed back in his day, he said you'll be able to prove its existence within 25 years. Time is up. It's been up. 
But yet we still have people throwing it down our throats and putting it in our children's minds and our schools. You know, it's, it's real, it's real, it's real. Just believe me, it's real, it's real. You know, have faith. What? Yeah, have faith that it's real, but it's not. Darwin even said you had to have 25 years or it's not real. Listen, there was a Russian man on a subway years ago in Russia, and they, they practiced mostly agnosticism in, in Russia. He sat there, and he had, he had listened to his parents all throughout his life, never gone to church. And he came to this grand realization as he stared out the bus window. He said, life is useless without God. There, there's no purpose in life without God. He never picked up a Bible. He never, he never read Scripture. But he came to his mind, and he, he finally realized that life was not possible. It's not worth living without God. That's true this morning, church. God created everything. Church, it's incomprehensible that God did not create this world. It's incomprehensible. He had to. So let's move on. Let's move forward. Now let's get to the, hand, the task at hand. How, Brother Kyle, you said at the beginning, how can you prove that God is real? Well, you know, I, I told you a few minutes ago. Verse 20 tells us that God reveals Himself through His creation, right? So we should be able to look at His creation every single day, and see God revealing Himself to us. If Scripture is true, right? Right? Okay, well, I'm going to prove to you this morning that He is real. Now, let's look for a second at the earth. And I just so happen to have a small miniature earth here this morning. Isn't that nice? No, you can't have it. Now, if we, if we consider the earth and we look at the earth, I, if we jumped in an imaginary spaceship, and I imagine all of you want to, and being that it, they charge by the pound, some of us don't need to. Uh, but we get in an imaginary spaceship, and we go up into space, and this we're looking at the earth from outer space. And, and we're looking at how beautiful it is, and, and we're just wondering, you know, oh, you know, how did God do all this? Now, let's say that we had to jump out of our spaceship and do some work on one of those satellites, those you know, really expensive satellites that, yes, us taxpayers pay for. Amen. Oh, praise God. Now, can we just jump out of the spaceship and just do our work? Absolutely not. I've got one man paying attention. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. We can't. What would happen if we just jumped out of, out of the ship? Yeah. You just, you just keep on going and going and going. You, you have to tether off. You have to tether off, you have to put on, you know, oxygen suit, your suit with oxygen before you can go out in, into outer space. Why? Well, there's no air. There's no gravity, right? Everything, everything floats off into space, does it not? You, you hear from time to time, and I, I, in my lifetime, I won't see it again, but do y'all remember back in, what was it, late 80s, early 90s, Halley's Comet? Hey, y'all remember that? Was that 85, 86, somewhere around there, Halley's Comet? You know, I, I didn't see it. I saw, you know, uh, I guess the tail going by. But some of you children might get to see Haley's Comet when it comes by again. But it just continually goes round in circles, round in circles. Brother Kyle, what are you getting? I don't understand. How, how can you prove that God's real by, by looking at that? If everything just floats off into space, why doesn't this float off into space? Y'all ever thought about that? Everything floats off into space. Y'all heard, I guess, about three or four years ago, there was a, a lady astronaut. It was a lady, brother. She went out to work on one of the satellites or one of the space stations. She had a toolbox that was, that was supposed to have been uh, estimated at a value of a million dollars. They didn't go to Sears to buy the tools, okay? They didn't buy the craftsmen. 
a million dollar toolbox and they gave it to a woman. Love you women. Love you women. But you don't give a million dollar toolbox to a lady. You just don't do it. So she gets off into space and she, I don't know if she tripped on something or what happened, but the million dollar toolbox just floated off. Just floated off. Gone. Why? Because everything floats off into space. Everything. Why does the earth not float off into space? Everything floats off into space. Why doesn't the earth float off into space? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. Turn with me real quick to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. Job is one of the oldest, if not the oldest, book in the Bible. Let's see what Job 38 says. Job 38 verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest? Who hath stretched out the plumb line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? God's asking Job this. Whereupon the foundations thereof are fastened? And who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Church, can I tell you? Why we don't just float off into space? Because the creator of everything, the Lord God Almighty, when He created the earth, He put her in motion and He said, stay right there. Everything else floats off into space. Not the, Well, you have to understand, the earth is suspended by the gravitational pull of the sun. Okay, where is it? Where's it? Why is it staying still? Well, the gravitational pull from the moon. Well, it's supported from the gravitational pull from the stars, from the gravitational pull from the solar system. Well, it's got to start somewhere. Where does it start? The hand of God. Our world, our solar system, our God is so big it all fits right in the palm of His hand. Well, that's pretty good, Brother Kyle. Do you have any more? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you asked. I I really do. I have some more. Now, as we consider this and look at this beautiful world, I want to tell you, this is one of my deep, dark secrets. When I was a child, I used to love to take baths. Love to take baths. And, and I would stay in until my hands were, you know, just crinkled, prune-like, right? Some of y'all still do that. I understand. My favorite toy to play with in, was in the bathtub was a tennis ball. Partly to bother my mom. I, I just loved the tennis ball. But there's an amazing thing that took place. While I was in the water uh, with Mr. Bubble, did we have Mr. Yeah, we saw some Mr. Bubble. All the bubbles. I, I'd take the tennis ball, and I'd put the tennis ball underwater. And I'd pick it up. You know, all the water that was around the tennis ball, guess what would happen to it? It'd fall back in the water, exactly. And I'd stick the ball back in the water and pull it back up, and I'd squ- all the water would come right off. Why is that? Is it possible that I could have stuck that tennis ball underwater and formed and made the water stay on the ball? Absolutely not. It's not possible. Some of y'all are smiling. We live on a ball. Covered in water. How does the water stay on the ball? Listen, there's never a time where you can stick a ball in water, bring the ball up out of the water, and the water stays on. You can't do it. How does it happen? 
I'm glad you asked. I'm going to show you. Turn, turn with me back to Job 38. I hope you never left real good. Job 38. And, uh, nope, I didn't write that down. That's on the next one. Y'all just keep staying, Job 38. Listen, the, the, the water stays on the ball because God said, stay right there. He said, stay right there. It gets better. Listen, listen, listen. Now, when I was a child, I also loved to do this as well. I grew up in TK, South Carolina, on Lake Wiley. And storms would blow up just about like they do on 95 sometimes in the middle of summer. And one of my favorite things to do, we had a gully right beside the house. And we'd have what's called gully washers. Gully washers. And I'm talking rain would come out of it just all over the place. Well, we lived on a hill. Uh, Y'all call them mountains, but the hill. And water would be coming down the road, and I'd get a shovel, and I'd try to dam up that water, y'all. I didn't cuss. Dam up that water and kind of move it around from, you know, from where it was coming from. You realize you can't do that? It doesn't work. It might work for a couple seconds or a few minutes, but it doesn't work. Why, why doesn't it work? Because the density of water will always move the mass that's sitting in front of it. Always. Unless it's concrete or something that's fixed, you know, permanent. But you can't take ground dirt, earth, and hold back, you know, not even a small amount of water. Well, Brother Kyle, where are you going with this? Let's look at my world again. Well, what are we surrounded by? Water. That's exactly right. This, you know, y'all, this is an easy message. Y'all, y'all, y'all get this. Look, look at the continents. Look, look, I mean, we're totally surrounded by water. If you take the same theory of building the dams, what is causing the water not to just wipe us out. Any other time, water would wipe earth out, just totally demolish it. Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad. Hey, listen. Job, chapter 38. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Job 38, verse 8. God asked Job this. He said, Who shut up the sea with its doors when it broke forth as it had issued out of, out of its womb? When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, the thick darkness of the swaddling band of it, and break up as, as it declared peace in the bars and doors, and said, Here unto thee shalt thou come, but no further. And here shall thou, thy, thy proud waves be stayed. Church, I don't know if you get that. I don't, I don't know if you got that. But let me explain to you what it means. God moved across the shoreline of, the Sarans, of Savannah, and He moved His hand when He created the earth, and He looked at the water. The water. How many of y'all have ever been able to tell the water what to do? He looked at the water, and He says, all right, you can come right here, but you can't go any further. It does not make sense that all of this water is not washing out all of this landmass. The only thing that we can look at is saying, God said, stop right there. He looked at the shoreline and said, that's as far as you go. You don't go any further. That, that's our God. That's our Creator. God is real. He can do that. We can't. We can't even come close to that. Let's look a little closer. Let's, let's get a little more intimate. Can anybody explain the dogwood tree? I mean, we, we understand that as, as Christians. But how in the world does the lost world explain the dogwood tree? How, how can we look at the dogwood tree and it's all its beauty? I, I picked the flowers one time when I was a child. Didn't know better. My grandmother beat me. 
she did. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of those. It was, you know, a, a stick or, you know, I mean, I got beat. How, how can we explain that every year around Easter, <laughs> I mean, imagine that. When we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this flower blooms on a tree. It has a crown in the middle. It has you know, blood spots on, on all four corners, and it has sprinkling blood all over the leaves. It's just a coincidence, right? Listen, God is real. He is revealing Himself through His creation to us, all those who will listen, all those who will pay attention. How about the Jerusalem donkey? Brother Kyle, what are you talking about Jerusalem donkey? You know, Do you all know what a Jerusalem donkey is? When Christ came in, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, right before, you know, they, they praised him on Friday and they killed him on Saturday. Or excuse me, they, they praised him on Thursday and killed him on Friday. He, he, how did he ride in? Did he ride in on a, on, a, on a white stud horse as a king of kings and a lord of lords? No, he came in on what? A donkey. A donkey. Do you know if you, go, go look up Google Jerusalem donkey. Look at him. Looks like a regular donkey. Look at his back. You know what's on his back? A cross. Imagine that. That's just a coincidence, isn't it? No, listen. My God is real. My God proves Himself. He reveals Himself through His creation every single day. Brother Kyle, that's, you know, that's, that's okay. Do you have anything else? Yeah, yeah, I do. Listen, I, I told you first of all that God reveals Himself through His creation. Everything He created. The second way God reveals Himself is this. God reveals Himself in us and through us. A few years ago, I was sitting on my, ha- on, my, on my couch in Greer, South Carolina, and my heart was, I could almost feel it, boom, boom, it was beating just crazy. And I kept it to myself, and I made a mistake, man. I told my wife. And therefore, I had to find a cardiologist to go visit the cardiologist. While I was at the cardiologist, I wanted to be a witness to this man because, you know, a lot of doctors, they don't believe in God. You know, they think medicine and science is going to get them where they need to go. They don't believe in God. Well, as I was there and I was trying to be a witness, I said, Lord, you know, what can I do? What can I do? Then it hit me. I can talk about the heart because he understands the heart, right? Cardiologist, heart doctor, he understands the heart. I said, Doc, I said, I've got a question for you. I said, uh, I have three children, and I understand that after conception, that, I, that a baby's heartbeat, starts inside the mother's womb between day 15 and day 18. He said, yeah, that's, that's right. He got excited. I said, can you explain something to me? He said, sure. I said, that baby is totally encapsulated in the mother's womb, surrounded by fluid. Yeah, 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 that's right. I mean, I, I was you know, boosting his ego. I wanted, you know, he's right. I said, if I were to have a heart attack right here, you could keep me, my, my blood flowing by doing compressions. He said, yeah. I said, but you couldn't start my heart beating back again, right? And he said, no, you have to have an electric charge to do that. Can I get a testimony? Some, you know, yeah, yeah. You have to have you know, something to start your heart. I said, okay. I said, well, this is my question. If a baby's heart starts beating between day 15 and day 18 inside the mother's womb, where does the electricity come from? You know, you, you just told me it has to, you know, every heart has to have electric discharge to start. You know, what, what in the mother's womb starts it? 
Now, what he did was kind of interesting. He, he walked over to the door and he looked out to make sure nobody was coming. He said, listen, I'm with you. I don't understand. All I can tell you is the hand of God has to touch every single mother's belly. I said, you're right. You're right. Listen, there is no other plausible explanation why that child's heart stops, starts beating. None. It has to be some sort of electrical discharge within the mother's womb. Mm -mm. There's nothing in there that gives off an electrical discharge. But the hand of God. Listen, my God is real. He reveals Himself through His creation every single day. How can you look at a baby, a child, and not see the handiwork of of my God. Listen, God reveals Himself. Let's look a little closer. I've got to move. I know I'm running out of time. Let's look at ourselves a little closer. I know that God's real because of me. Now, I'll answer questions later on and as long as they don't get too personal. But I am the handiwork of God. My parents didn't go to church. My dad to this day is still a practicing atheist. He won't tell you, but he is an atheist. Doesn't believe there's a God. I was a liar, a cheat, a thief, a drunk, and a womanizer. God revealed Himself to me in an unbelievable way, which you'll hear about tonight. I wasn't looking for God, but God saw something in me, with me, through me that I never saw and I never thought existed. The three things that I was afraid of when I was growing up were heights, electricity, and speaking in front of people. God said, I'll cure you all three. When I was 17, I started framing houses. Listen, when I was 19, I started working uh, as an electrician. I was a, a, a lineman for about eight years. And now I'm a preacher. God did something through me. I know God's real because of what He's done in my life. God reveals Himself through His creation. In us and through us. Well, Brother Kyle, I, I, I get it. Can you give me a couple more? This is pretty good. My first ministry, I was a youth pastor and. Monticello, Kentucky. And I, please understand, the ministry is not always peaches and cream and tulips and roses and, you know, prayer requests and fun dinners and all that stuff. Y'all, it, it's tough at times. And I had a rough day at the office and I was there by myself. And I'd cried to God, complained to God, not understood what some things that were going on. And as I walked out the front door of, of this church, there was a flower bed. And there were magnolias, not, not magnolias, uh, some sort of the orange, marigolds. Thank you, Mar thank you, brother, thank you. I always trust people with bald heads. <laughs> there were marigolds. And as I looked at those marigolds, there were butterflies all over them. What's the, what's the big deal, man? Listen, Scripture says that God reveals Himself through His creation even the invisible things and eternal power is clearly seen if we will pay close attention and see it. I was having a bad day. I needed a touch from God. I needed a fresh touch from God. I needed to see Him, feel Him. I missed Him. I was missing out. And as I walked out the front door of that church and I looked at those flowers and I looked at those butterflies, I just about walked right past them. Didn't think anything of it. You see, I was alone. I was by myself. Nobody was there. Church, you think, well, what, 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 what's the big deal? He put them there for me. He didn't put them there for you. He put them there for me. And a still, small voice said, stop, son. Look around you. I am with you. You're never alone. Look at what I've done to prove myself to you. 
right here today. And I stopped and I had fellowship with my God right there by myself in the front of my church. Ever since that day, I can't look at a butterfly. You know what I do? Every time I see a butterfly, I stop. And I fellowship with my God. I stop and remember who He is and what He's done in my life. I've got to move. God puts things in our paths every single day. that He reveals Himself to us. Now, this morning I want to ask, if you're sitting here and you're lost, have you not heard enough this morning to realize that God is real? Are you not tired of just sitting there Sunday after Sunday? Why don't you give up and give in to God? Why don't you come this morning and accept Christ as your personal Savior? Hey, church member, let me ask you something. Aren't you just tired of being a church member? Aren't you ready to serve a living and a holy and a righteous God? Why don't you come down this morning and, and give yourself, give your life back to God? Can, can I tell you all a little secret? You were created from the top of your head to the tip of your shoes to serve God. Really and truly, we have two reasons to be here on this earth. Scripture tells us to multiply and to serve. If you're not serving God in the capacity in which God created you to serve Him, can I tell you a little secret? You have no business being here. And God will take you out if you get in His way. So Christian, why not get back in line with what God wants you to do this morning? He is your creator. He's done everything. Why don't you come back to Him this morning? Lastly, this morning, will you come down and worship God for the way He constantly, constantly, constantly reveals Himself through His creation that we might know He's real. Every sunrise, every sunset, every cloud that rolls by, every wind, every breeze, every summer breeze, every winter breeze, God is singing out to His creation that He's alive, He's real, and He's worth serving. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, let's stand. Father, we love You. And we say that so often with our mouth, but so so few times with our actions. Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes and our ears and our hearts this morning during your time of invitation. I pray that you would move your people. Let your Holy Spirit move in a mighty way, not because of the message, because of the messenger, and that's you. Be with us right now as the instrumentalists come. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to ask, do you need to come? Nobody looking around. Do you need to come this morning and just spend some time with your with your God who's alive and wants to spend time with you. As the music plays, nobody looking around, do you need to come?